Hello and welcome back. Cybersecurity poses a very real and significant threat to both individuals and businesses, yet so few people are actually prepared for the gravity of this threat. Today's episode is an expose of the scary facts that most victims wish they had known and appreciated before their worst nightmare actually came to fruition. I want to start off by first painting a very clear picture of what you are facing and then introduce our guest today, who's going to tell you exactly what you need to know and do to protect yourself. So let's talk about the magnitude of this problem. You may be surprised to know that there's a cyber attack every 39 seconds and that this basically affects one in three of us every year. The total cost for cybercrime is estimated at about $6 trillion globally. And to bring this down and just look at um, Australia in, in isolation, about $29 billion are lost every year due to these threats, which is almost 2% of our gross domestic product. 43% of these attacks are against small businesses, right? So this isn't something that just happens only to big business. 64% of the companies that have experienced web-based attacks, phishing, and social engineering attacks are these smaller businesses. Um, the global average of cost of a data breach is estimated at $3.9 million across small businesses alone. You know, for most businesses, this sum is crippling, right? It's not only monetarily, but in terms of your reputation as well. 54% of companies say that they've experienced one or more attacks in the last 12 months, which to me is absolutely astounding. Yet 77% of you, organizations and companies, do not have a cybersecurity incident response plan. 19% of small businesses invested zero dollars in cybersecurity in the last year and less than 40 percent of small businesses spent you know between one thousand and a thousand dollars preparing for this sort of thing you may be shocked to know that most companies take nearly six months to detect that they've even had a data breach and this applies even to some of the big companies right like the equifaxes facebook's those as well and since COVID-19, guess what? The FBI is reporting that there's been a 300% increase in cyber crimes because hackers are taking advantage of more people working from home, right? 95% of cybersecurity, guess what? It doesn't happen in your IT department. It's due to human error. And, you know, hackers are always looking for the weakest link to get in. And this is, you know, your personal security as well as your business. So, Susie Jones is a really experienced cybersecurity risk insurance and innovation leader. She has delivered commercial outcomes as a cybersecurity business services manager, a corporate insurance broker, a risk manager, an innovator, and now she is also a startup CEO. She's on a mission to reduce the number of small businesses who fall victim to these cyber attacks each year. And she is very passionate about finding a way to help you take control back of the risks and really to prevent and avoid a cyber disaster. Welcome to the show today, Susie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, pleasure. Well, look, we're talking about stuff that's a little bit scary today, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly can be. It, there's some big numbers and, and scary stats that you just presented there. Yeah. So why is it that you think that small businesses are targeted by attackers as often as the large businesses? 
Well, I think there's some pretty simple reasons for that. First of all, they're considered soft targets. When you look at the statistics that you read out before, almost 20% of small businesses have invested $0 in um, cybersecurity in the last 12 months. So they're easy targets, they're soft targets. They're known to have poor security. And as the larger corporates invest more and more money into their cybersecurity controls, that means that they need to be looking for softer targets. And unfortunately, that puts small businesses right in their way. Um, Small businesses also are suppliers into these large corporates. So they can be seen as a way into these large corporate entities. Um, And uh, so, you know, when it comes to if they're trying to attack um, a large corporate, would you try and blast your way through um, their extra security layers or would you try and find a backdoor via a small business supplier? Um, many are trying that that uh, second approach. And lastly, a lot of the times it's not personal. The cyber attackers are attacking the technology you're using rather than the company itself. So if you're using the same technology that big business uses, as many of us are with all of these cloud solutions these days, then you can be caught up in an attack that was aimed at somebody else simply because you're using the same technology. Yeah, fair enough. Is Word, um, WordPress as a standalone technology any more vulnerable than anything else? It's not necessarily any more vulnerable than any of the other uh, email uh, website hosting providers. However, because simply from um, on the basis of its success, success, so so many people have WordPress websites, which means that it is a hot target and it is something that is targeted by cyber criminals on a really frequent basis. So that's why you hear so much more often of um, WordPress sites uh, being taken over by cyber criminals or having some issues because just so many people use WordPress compared to any the other suppliers. It certainly can be made just as secure as uh, the other website um, hosting sites, but you need to actually go in and, and consciously make those changes to secure your site. Yeah, fair enough. Are there certain industries that are more prone to attack and if so, why? Uh, there certainly are, and, and uh, it really depends on the type of attacker that you're looking at. So we, we talk about attack vectors and, and the sorts of groups. So if you talk about nation-state actors, so these are you know the, the stereotypical Russian or Russia or China or Korea t- making attacks on other countries around the world, they're going to target the likes of critical infrastructure um, corporations, they're going to target defence industry, they're going to target um, banking, all of those areas that really are the foundation of our society right across um, the, the entire country. Whereas if you're looking at uh, cyber attackers that are more trying to target uh, using social engineering attacks, you know, tricking people into things, then they are more likely to uh, target industries at particular times of year. So they will target retail industries as they're coming into Christmas because they know that everybody's in a rush and, and is tired and is just trying to get as much done. They will target finance industries um, in the lead up to the end of financial year. So it depends on the type of attackers. Um, and so for every business, you should be thinking about, well, when am I most vulnerable throughout the year? Uh, and when should I be most on the lookout? What are they really looking for? Is this something that they're particularly looking for industries that have a lot of personal data on their customers? Are they looking for credit card numbers? In you know, what are the main targets? If 
if you take if you put aside those that are motivated purely by for political reasons so that they're not necessarily looking for things of value they're looking more to just hurt you um which doesn't apply to most small businesses um they're looking for anything of value so if it's uh if you have a lot of personally identifiable information on your clients or your staff um then that is of value because they can sell that on the dark web if uh you are a business that uh, if you're an investment firm for instance and so therefore have lots of very high high value transactions going in and out of your organization then they're simply targeting the funds that you have um it really they're, they're looking for anything of value that they can either steal from you or steal and then sell to to make money like as you said it's a six trillion dollar industry across the world it's actually bigger than drug trafficking across the world in terms of the value of cyber crime so um anything of value anything that somebody else would find valuable and will pay them for it is what they're looking for Yeah, that's a bit shocking, is it? Worse than yeah. drug trafficking. Absolutely. You know, that that sort of speaks volumes right there. How expensive can, you know, responding to one of these incidents actually be? Uh, responding to an incident, if if it's a significant one, it can be incredibly expensive. If you think about the likes of who you're going to need to help you out. So if you're taken offline, if you find that somebody is actually in your system, sending emails, impersonating you, whatever the incident might be, and you need to call uh, an IT forensic expert to come in and see what is happening and lock your computers down, if you need to speak to lawyers in terms of um, trying to protect you from being held liable for damage that has been caused, this can run in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands very, very fast. Uh, some of these forensic experts, depending on the level of expertise you need, charge thousands of dollars a day. And according to BizCover, the average duration of uh, an incident of managing an incident in a small business is 23 days. So if you're talking thousands of dollars times 23, that's an incredible amount of, of first um, first impact costs, let alone all of the lost revenue because these these kinds of incidents take over your life for the time that they are they are running. So it's also the lost opportunity costs in terms of revenue and potential future revenue uh, from the fallout of those reputational damage. That's the thing. There, there have been companies, very, very successful companies that have gone under because of stuff like this, because they literally, the loss of revenue combined with the cost of managing it just was astronomical. Absolutely. A, a couple of years ago in 2019, there were a number of insurance broking firms uh, across uh, Victoria that were taken out by ransomware attack in June. And insurance broking, June is absolutely the busiest time that most insurance broking firms would have 60, 70% of their renewals at that time. And they were taken offline for weeks. They couldn't, their customers couldn't even actually contact them or call them. And so you think about the revenue damage that that had and the impact on their reputation, uh, that's going to be seen in their bottom line for many years to come. So given that the risk is so large and the potential cost you know, is astronomical in most cases, you know, in most cases, if the loss, I'm guessing that if the hack is significant, you're looking at a complete shutdown of the business. On the other side of it, how expensive is good cybersecurity? You know, are, you know, are people viewing it as something that they can't afford? Is that why they're not doing it? Or do they just not know? 
Yeah, there's there's three key reasons that we understand small businesses um, are being held back from in investing in cybersecurity for. So first of all, is there is a perception that cybersecurity needs to is incredibly expensive to invest in, and that's not necessarily the case. There is so much that can be done yourself or very frugally, provided that you put in the time to learn or partner with people that are going to be able to help you do that on a budget. Secondly, uh, it's very complicated. So if if your business, if you're a mortgage broker or a lawyer um, or a doctor or a physio, then, uh, you know, actually having the upskill and the time to upskill yourself in understanding what needs to be done, that that is in, in itself very expensive because time is money. But that last piece is actually the key thing that is holding most small businesses back is in terms of time, because um, people believe that investing in this is going to take up a lot of their time. And so it gets put up on the back burner. Um, it's actually why in the way that we approach supporting small businesses, we break everything down into activities that can be taken five minutes or less at a time so that it could be mixed in amongst your week because it doesn't have to be expensive. You just need to consciously be thinking about improving your security. Yeah. Does the average small business have to have this expertise in-house or can it safely be, you know, delegated or sent to an, an outside firm to sort of manage? It can certainly be done in partner with an outside firm and outside support provider. But there, just like any risk within your business, there needs to be a certain amount of understanding within the people in leadership within a business of the risk involved and what you're doing. It doesn't mean you need to have the technical expertise in-house. You don't need to have it's we're certainly not suggesting that everybody has an IT manager or a cybersecurity um, awareness uh, in person within each business. You can partner with outside, but you also need to recognize that that no matter what, it is your own risk. It is just like any other financial risk or um, work health and safety risk within your business. Um, it, it is just as critical. And so when it comes to any risk within your business, there's always going to be a certain amount of retained responsibility. And if you own that, then you can successfully partner with outside firms to give you the expertise that you don't have. So what, what do you know, just from your perspective as a, an outside consultant, what do you think the key elements of a good cybersecurity plan are? So the, uh, the first thing is to understand what are the technologies that your business is relying on. Actually sitting back and thinking, okay, out of all of the software, of all of the devices, the hardware, the network, what do I actually have in my business? And not just thinking about your office, particularly after the last 12 months of working from home, but what are all of the various different variables in technology that sit in everybody's home office now? And actually... Um, writing that down, jotting that down, creating an asset register and identifying, okay, out of each of these pieces of technology, what are the things that are actually holding our sensitive data? What are the things that are most critical to our operations? Um, and prioritizing those. And then secondly, going through and saying, okay, for each one of those um, bits of technology, what can I do to improve the security? Can I enable multi-factor authentication to make it that much harder for somebody to uh, to actually take in and, and get access to that system? Um, you know, can I purchase a password manager so that every one of my accounts has a different password? What can I do for each of these things? Um, the next thing is to think about how would I even know out of any of these pieces of technology if I've had an issue? As you mentioned in the preamble, some uh, some events you may not even know that you've had a breach for six months because if the cyber criminal is sitting in the background quietly doing something in the background and gathering information, um, you may not know if you haven't actually put in any place to detect that there is an issue. Um, but then the next thing is to think about and pre-plan, how am I going to respond? If I do find that there is an issue, who am I going to call on? Who do I know? Do I have insurance in place to help me recover and respond? All of these things are a way of 
proactively managing the risk so that if you do find yourself in that horrible situation of facing an incident, you are as prepared as you can be and in the best position you can be to ensure that it doesn't become the the final uh, chapter in your business's story. Yeah, fair enough. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about cyber insurance? Because I'm guessing that a lot of people, you know, might not know how to find it and what it might cover. Absolutely. So cyber insurance is something that we recommend to every business. Um, there's there's largely um, two parts to a policy and it, obviously we would recommend speaking to your insurance broker about this. But the first one is that it covers the costs of all of those um, incredibly expensive um, experts that you may need. So I spoke before about the forensic IT experts, the, the lawyers, any PR people, all of those first party costs um, would be covered under a policy as well as um, any liability that you might be held for. So just like any public and products liability, you're covered for if somebody tries to sue you for causing damage through the internet. But the main thing, the primary reason why we recommend it for every business is because your, your insurers have already negotiated agreements with these experts so that the moment that you call and say, oh my God, I'm, in, I'm under attack, I, I I, my all of my systems are locked up, I'm being ransomed, they can actually call in those experts and you're not having to call around trying to figure out who to call at that time. They already have agreements in place so you can actually get straight on to resolving the issue rather than just working out who to call. If somebody has cyber insurance, how, how, how much more likely are they to recover from something like this? They are far more likely. So the, the biggest thing in terms of responding to a cyber incident is time and how quickly you can respond. So as I mentioned there, you already have, if you have cyber insurance, you already have people on your side to help you respond quickly. You have people on your side to help you be able to manage your customer's expectation. If you've resulted, if the incident has resulted in their personal information being uh, stolen, then you actually have experts that can help you manage can help you notify your customers, help you support your customers. So that reduces the impact on your bottom line. It reduces the number of customers that are going to leave you and not trust you any further. But of course, it also then gives you that um, the check at the end of the cost that you've incurred. So in terms of your likelihood of being able to recover, of being able to continue operating, if you have insurance, you are far more likely to, to recover and move on after the incident. Yeah, speaking of customers not trusting you, do you have any good examples of companies that were particularly hit hard, where customers just left in droves because they were really concerned about the implications of the breach? There's been a few examples, um, not necessarily small firms. Um, however, uh, there was a few years ago, there was a an employment uh, technology firm that worked with many of the large banks and uh, customers around um, Australia. They had a particularly nasty um, breach, which resulted in uh, the personal information of uh, people that had applied for jobs with these large firms over the previous couple of years being stolen. Now, that's incredibly sensitive information. It includes their contact information, all of their employment history, etc. Um, and that firm, basically, they lost all of their customers in the immediate aftermath of the incident. And many of those large firms, which were you know, really flag, flagship customers for, for this business, um, then spent the, the following 18 months finding alternatives and moving away from that firm. So um, if you are a business that has a, a few but very significant customers, think about what you would do if they were to leave you because they could no longer trust your business. What would that do to your bottom line? To just to put this into context, do you have a, a, any kind of statistics around what the average cost to a small business might be of something like this? 
It's really interesting that the data, particularly within Australia, is incredibly difficult to get hold of. And it's because um, a lot of the data puts the impact on a business that has five people in the same bucket as a business that has 95 people. And naturally, they're, they're not comparable businesses in terms of the incidents. I know from personal experience, talking to small businesses, micro businesses with fewer than sort of 10 or 20 staff, um, that there have been very significant claims of, you know, sort of $25,000, $30,000, which was a pretty big hit to their bottom line. There have been claims where it's been $250,000, $300,000 to businesses of sort of 10, 20 people. At the, at the larger end of that bracket, if you're talking businesses with sort of 80 or 90, it very quickly runs into the millions because for each and every personal record that you have that is breached, there is a, a first-party cost of just managing the fact that that information has been stolen and notifying the person who has been affected. But then there's also the, the flow-on effects of revenue and the, the reparation of the actual issue and remediation of the issue within the system. So it can run from the tens of thousands to the millions very, very quickly. Even tens of thousands is a Absolutely. lot of money. Absolutely. For a, for a small business that has, you know, two or three staff, uh, tens of thousands could well and truly be, you know, half a year's um, profit. And, you know, that's devastating to the bottom line of a business. Yeah. So given that we're talking about damages that are in the tens of thousands and even potentially hundreds of thousands, let's just say that you're a small business owner, you've got about $500, you know, maybe a little bit more to spend on security each month. What would you do? What would you buy? So the first thing I would buy would be password managers for myself and everybody else in uh, my business. So a password manager is a piece of software that you use on your phone and then on your computer um, that becomes like a password safe or vault so that each and every one of your accounts has a different password that is long and complicated stored within that password manager. And all you need to remember is the password to get into that password manager. So that means that you no longer have to use the same password across multiple accounts and that means that you can avoid the issue where if one um, of your service providers like LinkedIn has another data breach, that you don't need to worry about everywhere else that you've used that same password. So that's number one. Secondly, I would subscribe to something like our service. So at Cinch Security, we have an online software as a service program um, that manages the cyber risk uh, for you. So it helps you helps to educate you on the risks that are inherent on the technology that you use within your system. But then we also can give you step-by-step -step guidance on exactly what you should do to improve your security. It's very affordable. So it starts at $99 a month for small businesses up to around about $250. And that means that you actually have at your fingertips everything that you need to do. All you need to do is follow the program. And uh, then if it means that there is a particular other product or service out there, then we're only going to recommend that you use that if it's actually applicable to your business. So it takes away all of that noise. It takes away that lost time of trying to figure out what you need to do. You've already been told what you need to do. You can just get on and do it. As part of that process of using your online software, do you have a way of assessing or putting people through a diagnostic so that you sort of have visibility of the types of issues that they may have based on the software that they're using? Absolutely. So we don't have any active things sitting on your computer. So this is not about having somebody come in and, like you say, run a diagnostic over your systems and do any sniffing out of, of cyber criminals in your system. That's not what this is about. However, we have built our platform so that we have already done threat assessments of the uh, technologies that small businesses own, uh, small business owners actually use across their business. So 
a small business owner signs up to us, they tell us the technology that they use, and then we have already done the cyber risk assessment. So instantaneously, you know what the biggest risk of using those technologies are, and you know exactly step-by-step step what you need to do to mitigate them. So all of that happens within five minutes of signing up, so you can just get on with securing the cyber fitness of your business. Fair enough. And what about education? Because as they say, you know, these hacks aren't happening in the IT department of most small businesses. These are just human error. What can small business owners do to not only educate themselves, but educate all of their employees to watch out for phishing scams or, you know, people sending, we've changed our payment details to X and, you know, then they make payments to people that don't exist. Absolutely. So it's a combination of um, training your your staff. So there are some um, wonderful services out there that provide staff awareness training for a really affordable price. So we include some staff awareness training uh, within our platform, but there's also a fantastic New Zealand-based firm called SafeStack, um, and they have um, some really affordable cybersecurity awareness training that it takes five minutes at a time each and every month on a different topic, and you can get that to all of your staff to keep them aware and keep this top of mind for them. But it's also about in introducing new procedures into your business to um, encourage and even enforce better behaviour amongst your staff. So when it comes to uh, changing those bank details, if you uh, receive an email, making sure that before you um, actually go into the system and change bank details on the basis of having an email saying, hey, uh, we've got new bank details, they actually pick up the phone and call the, um, the person who has sent the email and confirm that it was in fact them that sent it. Something like that that is written down and part of your everyday work environment across your business can really save your bacon if somebody is trying to trick you into transferring to a different bank account. Yeah, look, thank you so much for sharing these really practical and powerful tips, because I think there are probably a lot of people out there that just have no idea how vulnerable they truly are. So if our listeners want to get in touch with you to actually take advantage of some of this stuff and get your help, just by spending a small amount each month to really, you know, cover themselves and put a plan in place to protect against these types of risks, how do you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, Susie? Absolutely. So our website, cinch.com.au, they can sign up for there or they can email us at hello at cinch.com.au. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. So Susie Jones, look me up. I'm always happy to jump on a call, answer any questions and you know discuss whether or not we're the right options. If we're not, I should be able to refer you to somebody who will be able to help you with the, your particular issue. Yeah, which is fantastic. Thank you so much for all of your just really powerful and practical tips today. I really appreciate it because it does it does trouble me. You know, when we're dealing with financial issues, I think a lot of times it's easy to, you know, really focus in on the financials and lose sight of the fact of something like this, a cyber breach, a security hack, some malware could basically completely derail a very profitable and cash flow positive business very quickly. And so I just want people to understand the magnitude of this risk and that, you know, it doesn't make sense to put your head in the sand anymore. You know, because we're talking about, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, which could potentially bankrupt your business, the putting your head in the sand option, the cost of doing nothing or continuing to ignore this problem is too great. So please, you know, put your hand up. If you have questions, I'm also willing to to receive emails or just shout outs from people. And if you have some great stories of, you know, what you have done to actually put plans in place, please send those through and I will share them in at the beginning of the next episode. So thank you so much to everybody 
And I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Take care. Yeah.